there. Uh, my name is Chris Hopkins. Uh, we got you here on 17 Minutes of Science. This is the show that explores the world of science and how it affects both the starting academic and the seasoned professional. Today I have as a special guest, Valeria Vasquez. She joins us from the Health Center uh, Sciences Center at the University of Tennessee. Hi, Valeria, how are you doing today? Good, Chris, how are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, well, thank you. Um, well, on 17 Minutes of Science, um, we, we, we probe into a lot of questions and I, and I would like to ask members of the audience, if you feel free to please chat us a question at any time uh, here. So as a quick intro for, for Valeria, she's an associate professor at the Health Sciences Center at the University of Tennessee. Her lab studies the mechanosensitive channels. Uh, basically dysfunction in these sensory receptors are implicated in a broad range of diseases, you know, anywhere from heart arrhythmias uh, to uh, sciatica, chronic pain. You know, and basically today's subject matter is going to be understanding the mechanosensitive channels through uh, looking into C. elegans. And so with 17 minutes, uh, and we're already uh, got a minute, uh, let's start in with some questions immediately for you. Uh, you know, Valeria, can you tell us a little bit more about your research into mechanosensation and uh, how you got started in all of this? Yes, and thank you again. Uh, so my lab studies how free, uh, fatty acids modulate ion channel function we, have, we are particularly inter interested in mechanosensitive ion channels, which are channels that sense force either through the membrane or the actin cytoskeleton. In my lab particularly, we study those that are modified by the membrane composition. I started this in my grad school. Uh, I did my thesis with Eduardo Peroso at the University of Virginia. Back then, I used to work with bacteria. So I used to work with a diet of C. elegans. And we were studying uh, the prokaryotic mechanosensitive ion channels from a very biophysical point of view. So we were studying a structure function and how the, these membrane pores sense the, the lateral tension of the membrane and they would open. So my interest started there. I learned electrophysiology, patch clamp, a little bit of microbiology. And when I was looking for my postdoc, I, I knew I wanted to continue studying mechanosensitive ion channels. And I happened to be in a meeting where Miriam Goodman was giving a sensational talk. And it really, really caught my eye because she was the only person working with, at the time, in vivo electrophysiology. She was doing EM. And you know, I, when I started digging into the C. elegant thing, I just fell in love of how amazing the techniques were back then and imagine now. So I asked Miriam to join her lab because at the time also, uh, we only knew about uh, one eukaryotic mechanoreceptor complex that happened to be in C. elegans touch receptor neurons and that Miriam and Martin Chaffee and Laura Bianchi and many others were piling on you know, a bunch of amazing data to demonstrate who were the subunits forming this mechanotransduction channel complex. So at the time I wanted to combine what I knew with whatever was known in the field and try to understand if at all the membrane composition modified this mechanosensitive complex. So that's how I started working with C. elegans. And just, I don't know if you remember Chris, but when I, so when I was about to go on my maternity leave, I was freaking out because I knew my project would be stalled for a few months. So Miriam heard about your company, I think Nudra back in the day, right? Yeah, yeah, but Nudra probably back then, yeah, yeah. So we ordered a bunch of worms from your company. 
because that was the way that we, we find or Miriam found to you know keep my project going while while I was on maternity leave. So that yeah, was we really love, nice. We love to call that the outsourced postdoc service that helps yeah. people uh, keep keep carrying forth and keep 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 progress up. That awesome. really makes my maternity leave very relaxing because I knew the project was going. And then, so I finished my postdoc with Miriam and I moved to the University of Tennessee where I'm currently at. Actually, my uh, last week I received a, uh, my tenure promotion. Oh, so congratulations, that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, since we started here, uh, I have used, you know, NEMA metrics and in vivo because you guys are my postdoc uh, away from the lab. And that has helped a lot. Uh, so we see elegance. So in the lab right now, I'm not working particularly to understand C elegance, and I apologize to the warm lovers, but I'm, I'm more of a, I'm trying to use the beautiful PUFA or polyunsaturated fatty acid cascade of C elegance to use those genetic backgrounds or those genetic mutants to understand how polyunsaturated fatty acids affect mechanosensitive ion channels. So that's the in vivo part. Right now we're doing also mice behavior, which is way more complex than, than I thought, obviously. But we, yeah, we keep working with C. elegans very heavily. Well, excellent. And that actually brought me to one of the questions I wanted to ask you is sort of what other approaches are you integrating with C. elegans? And so it's the mice would be a really interesting subject there. So, um, and, and a little bit just sort of what have you found about uh, fatty acids? I mean, uh, how impactful are they? How important are they for these mechanosensation channels? They are super important because they embed the membrane with particular uh, mechanical properties. So you can make a membrane really rigid if you have a bunch of saturated fatty acids or less rigid if you have polyunsaturated fatty acids. So we have done those measurements in Miriam and my lab with atomic force microscopy. And it's really amazing how that can impact mechanosensitive ion channel function. We also have determined that a certain trip channels are very sensitive to the membrane mechanics. Not to say that they are mechanosensitive, but they are very uh, vulnerable or sensitive to the membrane composition. And I would expect that every membrane protein would have certain degrees of, of uh, sensing this comp membrane composition. So we use, we use again C. elegans because the, the genetic background is really clean. So you can have either omega-3 PUFAs or omega-6 PUFAs or eliminate all of them. And then it's a really clean background that you don't have with mammals, right? So in mammals, we can modify the diet and, and check on that. But with C. elegans, genetically, we just remove the PUFAs and they're gone. And that's thanks to the work of Jennifer Watts and John Browse from the C. elegans community that, you know, back in, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Uh, that, uh, that, and in fact, uh, Jennifer Watts, uh, one of her postdocs is uh, one of the founders of the company, Trisha Brock. So oh, that's, really? That's oh, wow. Connect there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm such a groupie for Jennifer Watts' work. <laughs> well, uh, let's jump on to uh, the PISO-1. You've recently published in, in PISO-1 about mechanosensitive channel and, and food sensation. What, what, so, so now we got fluid membranes uh, sensing uh, food, or how does that how does that all work? Okay, so the peso one story. So the the, the family, the mammalian family, is called peso one, and the gene in C. elegans is peso one. 
Uh, when I started my lab, I thought that it would be very easy to characterize the knockout of PESO1. And I thought that I would have like a dramatic, dramatic phenotype. And you guys made the knockout for us. You guys made the gain of function for us. And it turns out that all of the phenotypes were really, really mild. So <laughs> really, really mild to say the least. So what happened- That, that, that is always, always a sort of a, uh, intriguing, but uh, common result, I think, that, uh, that they don't always live up to your expectations. So how did you adapt? Especially because the mammalian knockouts, humans and all, they have very, either they're embryonic lethal or they have really, important phenotypes that cause diseases. So why worms have this gigantic gene and does not seem to be relevant? So one thing we found is it might not be relevant for laboratory conditions, okay? Because everything, you know, you're providing them food, you have 20 degrees, we have tried 15, 25, but never was something striking. So because we detected the expression and many others, at least three more labs at the same time detected expression in the pharynx, it occurred to me that if we fed a different type of bacteria, we might have another phenotype. And I remember from my days in biophysics that to, to patch clamp uh, E. coli or Escherichia coli, I used to use a protocol with an antibiotic called cephalexin that, that makes filaments of E. coli and then you add lysos, a lysozyme and they become a gigantic spheroplast. Well, gigantic is just, yeah, it's not gigantic, but it's big to patch. So I, I told my, my postdoc at the time, Jonathan Millet, uh, uh, that maybe we should try, you know, using the, the cephalexin treated bacteria because it would be like feeding a spaghetti, right? It would be like longer, way longer than the control bacteria. And it turns out that that revealed a phenotype that we, we were really happy because it was the only, the only time that we could see, oh, finally the knockout is different than the wild type and the gain of function mutant, or what we call the gain of function mutant, uh, is different than both of them. So that was really exciting because it's, it's amazing how, you know, you, you have all this knowledge from previous projects and then suddenly like they merge together. So it was really nice. And that's when we came about talking about food sensation. And now the idea would be to use this knowledge to see how dependent is PESO1 from PUFAS and fatty acids which was the idea from the beginning, but we were never able to explore it because the phenotype was so uh, mild. Oh, well, excellent. Um, well, and now we have uh, basically only about a, a, a six more minutes left uh, here. So maybe we could take a little bit of a, of a pivot on this. Um, you know, uh, interesting that uh, basically, you know, eating spaghetti versus eating mush uh, gives a very different, uh, uh, you know, is literally leading to this mechanosensation phenotype. So love that. Um, you know, you've uh, pivoting to perhaps a little bit different area, um, you know, the, the, the social aspects in science. You have a unique aspect. You're married to, to a, a, another researcher. And in fact, you, you uh, work together side by side. So you can tell us a little bit about the, some of the challenges of, 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 of working side by side with your spouse and, and, yeah. and getting publications together. So, well, yes, it is a challenge and some people are surprised and they're always wondering, oh, how can you resist working with your partner, right? But it turns out that we, we met back in college in Venezuela. And so we came to the US with the purpose of getting a PhD. 
we in in not even in my wildest dream i thought i would have a, a my lab in the us like I, I was always thinking of going back to my home country and then you know things got complex in my country and we were you know we like the, the style of living here and doing science and so I have worked with mechanocytic ion channels almost since the beginning. I joined a, my PhD advisor lab and he was working with potassium channels. So we are always like working in similar things, but we're always trying to learn different techniques. So we address questions using both of our brains, right? So then for our postdoc, when I moved to Miriam at Stanford, uh, he moved with David Julius at UCSF. So he learned a bunch of things about sensory neurons and nociception and heat sensation in, in mammals. And I learned a ton with Miriam since the elegance. So when we joined the lab, we started to, all the questions we couldn't answer before because it was like, it was not part of, the, of the, our labs before. We tried to you know, combine all of what we knew to answer questions. So for example, we, had a we have a paper in, it came out in January this year, I believe, where we answer with 3 v one expressing C. elegant, thanks to the work of Cornelia Barkman. We made a, I, I would say a better one with you guys. Uh, hers was, you know, back in the day, like, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. So we tried to answer all of the questions we had uh, by combining our expertise. And we determined that phosphonocytides turned out to inhibit 3 v one at least in our experimental conditions. So it's really nice because we have similar and different questions and we have, you know, we have learned so many things away from each other that we can complement our science. So the lab, we run two labs, we, but again, we share materials, we share reagents, instruments, and it's like a big group, let's say. All right, that, that, that's awesome to hear. You know, I, um, it, it is fantastic. I think that is, as we all know, it's a big driver. NIH loves to hear about collaborative activity between people and who you bring to the table. And it's fantastic to have a lifelong partner that is also, one, you know, a strong collaborator, bringing a unique and different background to, to you. And at, at the personal level, if I may, uh, we have a son, right? So it's really, no, I wouldn't say really easy, but it's easier, I would say, in comparison to other families because we can work from home or in the lab and we can take our, our son. It's like, it's a continuum. Some people don't like it because the line between work and home is not drawn very well. But we, I mean, like I love what we do and I think he loves what he does too. So I see it like, I mean, I love it. I really like working with, I'm, with the things I'm doing right now. So it's fine. Well, you know, I think everybody can appreciate the blurred lines these days with COVID. Uh, you know, we're all here. I am in my own house uh, running this, this, these, these, these um, interviews, um, and so we, there is a lot of blur these days. So I think uh, we all understand that that uh, work-life balance. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it can be a challenge, but it also can be uh, enabling. I'm not spending a lot of time traveling from here and there. I'm actually getting a lot more done. I'm sure. Most other people, especially when, you know, if you're doing a lot of writing and so on, um, you're getting all that stuff that you wanted to get published, get it done. Um, so uh, it, it, the uh, we basically have another two more minutes um, uh, for for this. It went pretty fast for us here, um, and we've talked uh, about the the you know the, the basically some uh, at least the piezo is one specific example in in the mechanosensitives channel. What's some of your future directions you want to be going into? Where, where do you see sort of your you know your future implications, real world implications for your re research, and where you want to go? So 
So one of the things I would like to do is uh, on a study and tackle the mechanism by which fatty acids and the membrane modulate these PSO channels. Most of the publications we have, uh, although are really quantitative, they are not providing any mechanism because this channel is very, very big. It has 38 transmembrane segments. So tackling the sensor of the membrane tension or things like that would take you know, a huge amount of effort from the community. So I would like to have a molecular mechanism. In the meantime, we're doing some experiments towards that, but we are also making some lotions to use these fatty acids to inhibit as much as possible pain. So for that, we're using mice behavior. And that's one of the things that my lab is really concentrating the efforts on. And hopefully next year I would have some, you know, like a roundup story to publish about that. Because I think this is the first time I have something that has some translational capabilities. So, which was surprising because I was not looking for it. But I think it would be, you know, very, it is very exciting to, you know, move away also from the mechanism towards more translation. But needless to say, we will try to understand how the membrane modulates this PSO family of ion channels. I cannot hear you, Chris. Oops. Sorry, so I had a typing over there. You can hear me now. Uh, very interesting. So, you know, the, the translational aspect to, your, to the research you're doing, you might be moving in and becoming an entrepreneur, uh, uh, coming up with the lotions. And, and I have a question from one of our members in the audience, you know, are those lotions for human use? And I, I presume so, uh, right? You're thinking. That's the dream. That's the dream. Uh, yeah, I have, I have partnered with a collaborator at NIH and we, yeah, we're working on it. I cannot give too many details because we don't have too many details. It's not that I want to keep a secret, but I don't want to, you know, jinx the project. <laughs> but that's the goal. That's the goal. And I assume they would be safe given the, the composition because it's just fatty acids. And I think my, my, our last paper on that was really obvious towards that. I mean, like essentially the last paragraph of the discussion was, you know, the goal is to use these to um, what it's called a, a to ameliorate mechanical allodynia or mechanical pain, right? So. Well, I love it. And you know what, we burned up our time here and I love hearing how your story uh, is, is leading towards a translational impact. It almost sounds like almost a, a, a natural nutraceutical is, is uh, lotions being developed. Uh, very interesting area. I love yeah. it. All right, well, thank you. Went very fast. Thank you, Chris. It was very smooth and fast. <laughs> ah, yes, you're welcome. Well, thanks everybody for attending, and uh, and thank you, Valeria, for speaking to us uh, about about your wonderful research. And uh, I'm excited to hear more about how this all develops down the road. And thanks everyone thank for attending. Thank you so much.